0: Welcome to my mom podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. Hi everybody, it's Marisa with another Early Childhood Journeys podcast, and today my guest is Lark Sontag. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Thank you. Lark is a New York Metro Early Childhood Education Specialist, Curriculum Developer, Speaker, Children's Advocate, and the author of the children's book, What Every Child Should Know on Sanctuary Press. She is committed to writing literature that showcases all children creating an equitable world for neurodiverse children and centering children in all discussions regarding economic justice. She's also the founder of Will Start Small Collective, which works collaboratively with nonprofits, schools, and social justice groups to create curriculum and programming rooted in anti-racism, critical race theory, and culturally relevant pedagogy. She's the publisher of Sweet Potato Pie, a children's literary journal, and one of my favorite resources on anti-racism work (laughs) in this field. Welcome, Lark. Thank you for coming. Thank, well, thank you, you for well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, I've also admired your work
1: and just because, you know, it's uh you know, you're always out there like pushing pushing the boundaries. Um <laughs> something that we really need in. Really I think help. so. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's well, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
0: no, I mean you so just to give the listeners a little bit of background, I've been a longtime follower of um Lark's website and her social media handles just really because i think you're an amazing thought leader and i know we've um collected in the in the nayc like equity and diversity circles uh, with colleagues but recently you know covid black lives matter this child care crisis i've just been feeling super frustrated and i feel like um you've been really vocal as well and i'm like we need to talk about some of these things like let's get you on the podcast because i'm definitely in the similar wavelength here of the frustration of what we're seeing in our industry in our field um, especially particularly with our child care system you know our black and brown early childhood educators so I know um, you have a lot of items you want to bring up and talk we were doing we, we did some debriefing this week and hopefully we'll get to all of it for the listener and at the end, I'm gonna put in um, Lark's website and you know, the handles, all of the goodies so that our listeners can follow, follow you on your social media handles and connect with you as well. So where do you want to start, Lark? Well, you know, I, I kind of want to
1: start at the beginning. <laughs> not the beginning of my time, really. And the thing is that it's not even really the beginning because, you know, for you know, when, when Black people were enslaved in the United States, we did a lot of the child care, but I'm gonna go a little bit. I'm gonna go past that. I'm gonna talk about the 19th and 20th century, and I'm actually gonna reference like an amazing report that I'm surprised no one references because it actually was. I think it was over. I forgot how old it was, but it's a, a older document. It's called "Past Caring: A History of U.S. Preschool" um, by Emily D. Cahan. Um, And she talks about how preschool in the 19th and earliest 20th century has two tiers, early childhood that is from the social welfare system that was driven to uh, by desire to reduce the welfare payments with, and they didn't care about the women, they didn't care about the kids, it was just an idea of we need these working class women We need these black women. We need these brown women. We need them to go out there and take care of the various things that they need. We need them to have childcare. So we need them to go out to work. So we have that kind of childcare. And then there was a preschool that was for middle-class women. And it was about education and treating, you know, treating um, the students with care and treating the the employer, the employees, the teachers slightly better, not a lot better, because it's still women. Slightly better. Yeah, really. And you know, we move we move to the we move to where we are now, the twenty-first century, and we still have this going on where we treat black and Latinx women like 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 horribly, um, and we treat white women like slightly better. (laughs) It's like they're treated horribly too, but they're treated slightly better than us. I mean it's kinda like um um women in child care, um, the predominantly um Black and brown women in childcare and Indigenous women, they make like twenty thousand dollars, and white women in preschool make twenty eight thousand dollars. Both pathetic, both pathetic. I think that's the thing that's just so funny. Another thing I think I think is interesting in childcare is how they refuse to talk about sexism. They refuse to. It's like these women, like these you know, these women who are kind of like in charge. They're like, um, I want to talk about race. I want to talk about, you know, and like, oh, Black people are hot now, so I don't want to talk about anybody else, just Black people. <laughs> I don't want to talk about nobody else, just, because that's a, the that's a hot thing now. But it's like so not genuine, you know what I mean? The thing is, if you were genuine and you really cared about the industry, you'd be looking at it in a more universal way. And like, you'd be looking at the sexism that that is within, built within the field and which allows it allows people to be treated like crap because even the people with power, even the women with power, have no power in mm. early childhood. I mean,
0: I mean, this is a lot. <laughs> I, our listeners, okay? I don't know this, how you feel this about is that. is a lot. Um, the majority of your points, I absolutely get. I, I mean, we've, we've we've there's always been this issue as far as uh, the majority of our childcare teachers are Black and Brown or Indigenous um, workers. I know for Our state in Arizona, we've been working at the policy level um, and what's going on specifically in our state, like in Arizona, we've been in the news worldwide with our COVID numbers. And thankfully, though, we've we've gotten it's like good and bad about the attention because it's a way for us to as part of a, a early childhood industry to push the narrative as far as getting more economic support for our teachers so one of the things that i know was really big for us because i'm in the child care industry working directly um, right now with teachers or um, in the classroom was getting that hazard pay for our teachers but then how do we keep that ongoing because that's uh, our our wages are absolutely you know um, not sustainable go ahead well
1: i i i I think one of the problems is you know, we have COVID, COVID-19, and it's, you know, we are we, are hob- we are, we, brown and black people are hospitalized five times more than white people. We die at like three times the rate. Right, the children, it disproportionately
0: yeah. affects us more yeah. than everybody
1: else, yeah. And the children who have gotten the complication in um, the, uh, it's called M I S C. Yes. Um, Two thirds of the children who get that are black or Latinx, Um, and this is, you know, this is a, um, you know, this is a, a, a horrible thing. And we are essentially sacrificing our childcare workers so that we can restart the economy. The thing is that the economy can't restart without childcare. Without us, right. And the thing is that our field has the power to keep everybody safe, but our leaders, for some reason, thought that it'd be equitable to make people, the hazard pay that people are getting in childcare we get so little. Our hazard pay, the hazard pay for people in child care is not making up. It's not even getting us to like what we should be getting for, it, it, it's, 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 it's an insult actually. No, it's, an it's right. It's, it's an insult. You are, your idea of hazard pay, people are going to die. Yeah. Children are going to die. These are people who, and you're telling, I mean, you, you, and, and it's like you're forcing them to work. We already see that K-12 has um, in many areas have said they're going online because it's not safe.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think my, my concern is though, I'm all, I am all for that. I totally understand that. But then I also have the population of parents that are in the same boat where they need to work and who takes care of their kids. Right. I understand what you're saying.
1: But they're going to die. See it's a whole thing. I think the thing people don't understand is that with COVID, this is not like a oh well you have a choice because you have to work. What happened is people are going to continue to work and in two months they're going to people are going to start dying. They're going to close yeah. up anyway. So it's not a question of, well, I have an opinion, maybe maybe we should close, maybe we
0: shouldn't close. The thing is that they're going to close when people start dying. So what we were what we were talking about is the the problem is that we're not thinking about the deaths that are going to occur by uh, number one, people t- using childcare; number two, by people going to work. And um, my my opinion is, I am in crisis mode. Mm-hmm. What do we do? What can we do right now? I am op- absolutely in the boat of shut it, shut it all down. Can you please provide um, some stimulus so I can continue to pay my bills? Because that's the reality for most people. That's the reality for many um, childcare folks. That stimulus that the feds are offering right now, that's going to be ending in July, that's going to end. Like, what are people going to do after that? Like, my thing is, can we extend that for folks for a certain amount so people don't have to go back to work and there's no exposure? How do we reduce exposure? Um, and I am all in agreement that it's absolutely, I see it affecting our black and brown and indigenous communities the most. Um, we're, the mo- we're the ones that for the most part have crappy medical care or don't want to go to the doctor also because we don't have enough paid sick time um, accrued or if, I don't know, in my family, you just don't want to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also that piece. So I am all in your, in your corner with this. I'm, for me, it's the reality of that crisis mode of oh, I'm just trying to get through my, I'm, that's how I'm thinking about no, it. No, no. I,
1: I mean, I totally, I totally understand. How people, do I get through
0: my day? What's you, the, you, what's the you, saf- if- safest way I can do whatever I'm doing? I'm so grateful that we, for our, at least the teachers that I work with, we are able to have enough PPE. We don't have anybody coming into our centers. We have small numbers. Um, you know, we're able to provide some services for the actual first responders and medical professionals here that need the care. Um, And we've been able, you know, knock on wood where we haven't had any um, cases because we've been so diligent with how we're taking care of everybody because that's the cards that we're dealt with. And And in conjunction with that, we're also advocating for the wages part, we're advocating for this is a problem that, has to be fixed long-term like we're just band-aiding it right now
1: we need to i think the thing is that for people it needs to be an advocating for stipends for people to stay at home and i don't think people understand people think you don't have any choice and i think people think people don't have choices because all of our top organizations have said you don't have a choice oh, this is like, you either have to do this or you're going to end up with not paying your rent. You have to do this or this, that, and the other. And that is not true. They are lying. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing that people don't understand. They are lying. The reason why you, and the thing is that, okay, for um, first responders, that's one thing, okay? That's first responders, one thing. But I'm in places where they opened up childcare and this is not for first responders. This is just for people, random people, okay? And this is, to me, this is not okay. Yeah. you 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 have a choice you're because the thing is this is that no one else can go to work back to work until childcare goes back to work so the thing is that the, the the ball is in your court they're not going to evict everybody they cannot starve everybody and i know the people people really understand the power that they have i mean i guess the thing that i'm so afraid of is that because you know, because I've worked on different projects and because, you know, there are people in my family who are biologists who work with disease, I know that states are lying. I know how dangerous this is. And let me explain how COVID works. And the thing is that, you know, you can look this up on the CDC. It is like hacking your password, okay? So if you have a good immune system, Covid's like trying to guess your password on your computer, but it's it's still that it's your your immune system. So every time you get exposed, you heighten the chance of it cracking it. And the thing is this, people who have really strong immune systems, once COVID cracks it, they're done. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the people, like black people, brown people, we live farther away. We get exposed to this more. So it's, it's, Every time you get exposed, you notice how you see how those doctors, they get it and then they just die and they're like healthy. Like, why does that happen? Like they think they were like fine. They had all the PP on or whatever, you know, they had all that on and then they just died. That's just going to happen to people in child care because they're going to keep getting exposed to this. And eventually around August, people are going to start dying. And, I don't, and it's like if they had opened up schools, teachers were to start dying in October. And I'm trying to, like, explain to people, like, you really, truly do not have a choice here. You're going to actually risk dying. And in regards to the MISC, I told you, these, it overwhelmingly impacts Black and brown children. It even said that two-thirds Black and brown kids got this. And they got it not just for getting COVID, but being exposed to it. And the reason why that's happening is because their parents are essential workers, and yeah. so they're coming home, and they're bringing that there.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: the thing is, for um, I know for Black people, the rate is thirty thousand people have died.
0: Oh yeah, thirty
1: thousand people, and I mean, I, I I'm am I'm, I'm truly afraid for child care, and I'm angry. I'm angry that our leaders put out that narrative. Oh, well, if you don't save childcare and make them go to work, then childcare is not going to exist anymore. Number one. Oh, yeah. That that is, (laughs) but I mean, it makes me afraid. Like, who are you following? Yeah. Who 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 are you? You, you, you you said you're not political. You say you're not a political organization, but who, which, which party, what political party says we need to go out there and work no matter what, which party said that? Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder which, which side are you on? if this is what you're negotiating for people who make $11 an hour. I'm sorry, I'm like going away.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, let's bring it in, let's bring, bring it in, it in. Bring, it in. Okay. Let's bring it in. Okay, I get it. I get yeah. it. I don't. And then that's one of the things. Um, and I know when the stuff that we talk about in my podcast, I, I'm very honest. I don't have the answers. This is just the platform to have these points and talking points and get yeah. the listener to to reflect. And hopefully, advocate that the next time that they see some of this rhetoric going on, that they stand up for our Black and Brown and Indigenous teachers. Um, and I've always said it that there is no workforce without us, without childcare. There is no economic growth without us. Um, and I, and personally, I feel like we've been cast to the side. I mean, in our state alone, I don't even want to go there. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. We're just completely left out in the dark. Seriously, making it up as we go—it's just—it's pathetic. So, okay, moving on. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's <laughs> let's talk about some of the other points we were, we had debriefed on. We can do this—you know, sexism and martyring women for the economy, yes.
1: racism
0: and martyring women for the economy. Where do you want to go?
1: I mean, we could essentially just go go to to that. And the thing is that we already talked about COVID. We already talked about that. Yes. but I would just say that you know, generally. Women who are in childcare are treated horribly. Um, if you're not, not if you, the thing is that if you have, if you're lucky to have a job at a college or a state, you're treated yeah. a little bit, a little bit better. Um, but for the most part, um, we are not treated well. Um, it's also viewed as black and brown women are the unprofessional part of the field. Oh, and that yes. the white women are the professional part of the field. And the thing is, as a person who is pretty well educated myself, and I mean, you've seen my writing, you've seen what i talking about. Yes. I've been in early childhood education. Forever. They're not, yeah. they're, they're not smarter than us. I mean, it'd be different if they were, <laughs> if you were smarter than us, they would have run the numbers for COVID, right? They right. would have run the numbers, but they didn't. Either they're ignorant or insincere. But this whole idea that I'm professional is just because of our ethnicity. And the thing is, that's what it is. the the unprofessional part viewed in regards to us is because we are black and brown and because there is racism the institutional racism has gone through the field and it's kind of like this idea that you can't that we can't come up with ideas we can't think of ideas i mean i'll even go to go ahead go ahead
0: i mean i was one of the things that you you just reminded me of was in our field and i spoke i spoke to someone else on the podcast i think it was Tina, the previous guest, is one of the things that I know that you've also been vocal about are our white boards, the the white early childhood boards. Like For me, I constantly see the same white women in these policy boards or early childhood boards, just um, these, I don't want to, maybe decision-making or influence type of of boards and i just got so tired of it <laughs> and one of the things that uh, we were talking about was for me i just stopped um i stopped caring really about those boards and i just started to create my own table like i'm just not gonna bother if you want to invite me to that table or not mm-hmm. um and just creating our our own table like for example having amplifying Black and uh, uh, Latinx voices on my podcast, on my social media handles, passing, um, passing um, thought leaders like you information around uh, calling out any type of board or committee that th- is not representative or diverse, especially um, early childhood conferences or um, panels. I now make it a really, really big point of making sure that it's representative. S- especially for me here in arizona the majority of our pre-k to 12 grade children are latino so mm-hmm. our those decision makers are not many of them are not and i just got tired of that um especially here we have a uh, also a, a big population of um indigenous communities we have a, our navajo nation that's one that's the biggest so I know that you've been really vocal about that. Um, how can we build power and in, in a dignified manner? Um, I don't know if you want to speak I, I, to that. Me,
1: I have to say that I, I will, but I, I have to say that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still kind of, kind of angry about, you know, <laughs> quite a few things in regards to, um, how we were treated. Um, yeah. I, looked at that state of preschool report, um, put out by oh, NIEER yeah, N- N- I- e- and they had nothing about race on it. And for some reason, um, some Southern, some super racist Southern state was the number one for, <laughs> in regards to their rating system. And I'm like, who decided, and this is like in the year of, Oh, we're going to be anti-racist. They put out a whole report state of preschool, That report has been out for, that report comes out every year. It's come out every year for 20 years and they never talk about race in it. Yeah. They never, that's what I looked at. I was like, let me look at the, let me look at it from the year before. And the year before, they never talk about race. And guess what? No one says anything. They talk, all this talk about equity and anti-racism and all this stuff. They never talk about this. And I think that's really interesting. And also too, you do think, do you think that they would have made the decision that they made in the last few months? if they had respect for black and brown women? If we were all white women from Vassar, do you think they would no. have us going out there to die? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no, to that they would not. And that is a problem why people on the board, when people on the board have no respect for you. And the thing is that even organizations that are organizations that are so-called organizations of like color, it, mm. I'm gonna call it minoritized organizations that are run by white supremacy. I'm not gonna like. This, I'm not gonna name names, but I'll tell you something. Stuff, stuff like, oh, the achievement gap, that's based on a false narrative. If you talk, you call yourself helping Black and Brown children, and you use words like achievement gap, I know that you are a puppet to white supremacy. Yeah, that's a very white-centric. <laughs> I know it's what it's
0: you're a, talking about. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's a false narrative. Those t- those 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 standardized tests were created to be racist. And so you are, you, and, and they are tools that are used to be racist, and we're going to bring that to preschool? No, no. I, I mean, I'm sick of these organizations that are either, you know, um, they're, they're grounded
0: in white-centric views. Yeah, That's
1: even important. if they're, even yeah. if they have, because my friend Miriam, we call them minoritized. <laughs> <organization>. <laughs> they're not like orientation of color they just have people of color there but it's like you might as well just be a white person because you, you're not doing anything differently than someone right. you know and i mean i guess that's like how you know i'm just kind of like i i i, I go by your politics yeah and in regards to things that you say and i i guess now i'll, I'll tell you something you'll start seeing people now saying you know saying oh yeah well maybe we should care about people in child care but notice this i said it first no one else said anything mm-hmm. no one else said anything but they'll say it now because they won't know why they want to say it now because they want to 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 lead the. they always want to um to run the narrative
0: that's the whole well thing. because why? it's trendy now and i've said this i've been very vocal i'm like i we've been doing anti-racism work and talking about equity well long before it was trendy Um, It was always uncomfortable and, you know, welcome, I guess. You know, there's a part of me that gets a little resentful, but at the same time, after speaking with some colleagues, like, okay, well, let's get them on board. Let's make sure they understand um, what we want so that they're not creating that narrative. But so that's, that's the whole problem. That's, yeah. that's the only reason they want to
1: be involved in conversation so
0: they can run the
1: conversation. And I mean, that's, you know, one of my ideas, I'm like, you know, we need to start our own organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in all the urban centers, whether it Los Angeles, whether it be New York, um, whether it be Chicago, um, we are essentially the majority. I yes. mean, the, the, only, the, only reason, the only reason that they run anything is because of the South, where they oppressed black people so badly that they are everywhere, but we don't need them. I mean, I think that's the thing. In this uh, in this new world, look at you, you got this nice microphone. <laughs> 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 we don't need
0: them. I mean, we can, you know, I mean, how hard is
1: it to start a membership organization? How hard is it to start a nonprofit? How hard? I mean,
0: I know I I am all for that. One of the things though, that I think, just because I know that work is is, equally as hard, I, uh, my friend Carla and I, who's gonna be on the podcast this week as well, um, mm-hmm. who's also a woman of color, she's, she's uh, from Puerto Rico. And we've talked about competition is out, collaboration is key. Like we are on a mission to collaborate and cross post and amplify, um, you know, BIPOC, um, thought leaders in our perspective fields, Because, you know, because um, we've thought about that, too. You know, let's just start something of of our own. I'm like, well, we already have kind of our own network. Let's just cross, you know, let's collaborate. And that's where, for me, that's why I've been intentionally trying to look for more folks to collaborate. And how can I amplify your voice? Um, We're on the same page as far as, you know, in general with early childhood anti-racism work. And well, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the, I'm done with the Highlanders. See, I call these people, they're the people
1: who call, <laughs> call them Highlanders. They're like, they're like the people of color that white people go to. They're the go-to people. Yes, of color. I call exactly. them Highlanders. I can only be one. There can only be one. So they block everybody else. Like, they're kind of like, I want there to be more black and brown people there. I'm like, but well, why is your face always there all the time? Like, why? I mean, so I'm just like this, we're done we're done we just start our own thing like my like i have like my book that i have um um my publisher of sanctuary press she's um she's puerto rican and we i work with her and mm-hmm. we work with other people of color and we like amplify each other we don't have to we don't need like i don't you know i don't need you like i mean that's the whole thing but, Like you know i i I even said that. I said, I am, I am only this, this year. I'm like, I'm only going to a people of color podcast. I am. Cause I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these people. I'm sick of not like, just like, just general white people, but I'm saying, I'm sick of having to explain I'm sick of being not centered. I'm sick of right. them being centered. I mean, I know we're talking about them, but the thing is that we're, we're trying to build something and build something outside of this, of you know.
0: trendy generic what's the, the status quo and i want to make sure uh, you know one of the things i want to i guess for me is it's this isn't a white person or white whatever it's not this isn't a personal thing this is yeah. just a white centric establishment um that we're trying to break through i always i always want to make sure and the folks that are listening that that t- can twist it i mean lark and i were just saying like her husband's white my husband's white (laughs) like this isn't personal this is about the this is about the system and how messed up it is um and how it's been grounded in very white-centric uh views and um oppression and um there there is a place like for for example for me as a woman of color podcaster do you know how many white podcasting guys are I mean there's a there's a ton of shows that show another podcaster. There's a lot of them. But there wasn't that many um for me when I first started this I'm like gosh you know I, I have a lot to say in my in this field but who do I who who can I connect with that can help me from that perspective and that understands a woman of color and you know where I'm coming from and who can give me some some more reach and I reached out and started following some women of color podcasters. Um, so I want to make sure it's just to straighten out that it's not, I'm not, we're not bashing personal people. We are absolutely calling out the white centric oppressive ways that certain things have been laid out. And instead of being asked to that table, we're creating our own table and we're creating our own space and, and amplifying, um, black and Brown indigenous voices, especially when it comes to the early childhood sector, at least for me. Lark. Well, no, 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 no,
1: no. I mean, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, that's, that's definitely, you know, my idea. My idea is, you know, we need to, you know, get rid of like white nationalism. Yeah. And white supremacy in regards to, I guess the thing is that, and I I could keep going back to it. And I guess, because I'm like, if you cared about us, why are you trying to kill us? Mm
0: -hmm. Like, I mean,
1: I'm I'm actually really angry and I don't think, um, you know, I've been getting more and more angry as time has been going on, especially now that, you know, my friends in K twelve, their unions, especially in Los Angeles and yes. New York, yeah. they have gotten it so that they're gonna be online. And I said, you know, I am very happy for you. And the thing is that I'm, you know, I am you know, I, I, I work at a, a high school. to five gets forgotten. Yeah. I work, I work five. At, yeah. Yeah, I I work at a college, but I'll tell you something. I'm like, who do you think is going to do the childcare since schools are closed? And I said, who do you think is gonna do that? It's gonna be like black and brown women. Do you, you know that, right? You do know that's gonna happen, right? And so what are we gonna do with them? It's gonna be like, oh, we're gonna let them just go out there and just, you know, if we think it's unsafe for us in K, K through 12, then what about them? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that, yeah. it, that no one, they're really advocating for them, but you know what? It's so hard to advocate for in early childhood because number one, so few of us have any power so many of us make so little money. Even people mm-hmm. who are like the head of organization.
0: Oh, no. They're, yeah. They're,
1: they're, they're, still, they're still not paid anything. Mm-hmm. Like, the, our, our top, top organization, the heads make nothing. Mm-hmm. They, get, they don't even have enough power to be like, no, tell business no, because they don't have any money. Give these women stipends so that some of them can stay home, if not all of them. Like I understand for the first time. Yes, absolutely. They need to get so really for, for first responders they need to get some real money, like real money. Cause the first respond so how much are they making? They should be making, oh, yeah, <laughs> they, be. they. if you, if you're a doctor or you're a fire mm-hmm, person, mm-hmm. how much nurses, are you yeah. making? How much are they making? Those women should be making comparable wages because they can't go to work without them. And I think yep. that should be something that's pushed too. Like I felt like when I looked at that plan for the um, early childhood, I'm like, this is all going to the businesses.
0: This is not going to the women, and that's what it made How me like. I go directly to the to the teachers. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. So tell me, okay, what are what's something that the listener can do tomorrow or next week? I always like to leave with some actionable items. Like I don't want you. I don't want us to be that bummed because there's a lot of crappy stuff going on right now i i'm i'm such a optimist that's why i'm the ultimate optimist because that's the only way i can compartmentalize and can get through my day quite frankly um if there's one little thing that i can do that that can support your work or um you know the mission the, the points that you that you've told us what can we do?
1: Really, if you really want to help me, I want you to say. I want you guys to go onto social media and say that your lives matter too. <laughs> and I, I, I want like child care matters too. People who are in child and I maybe just is that to-
0: is that a twi- Is that a hashtag? Should we start that? Child care oh. matters too. Um,
1: I, I'm trying to ah. think. Of, think of a better one. Or we're saying you know child care. You know no matter what child care workers deserve to live or something like that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, we don't want to do the whole marathon. We don't want to like appropriating, but, um, mm-hmm. child care, child, so, you know, ch- child care workers, lie, ch- child care work, child care workers want to live. I mean, I yeah, that's really. something because stop setting yourself on fire to keep these people warm. You are better than that. You deserve better than that. You deserve to have a self, a, a safe and healthy workplace. You deserve to have more money. You deserve to be able to feed your family you deserve so much more. I want you to like know that. I want you to say that on your like social media. I want you to like stop letting them gaslight you into thinking that you, you either have a choice of risking your life to go to work or starving to death. Cause you don't, you actually, that's, that's not your choice. You yeah. have so much power and it makes me sad.
0: It, <laughs> it is. It really does. It makes me sad. It is. Okay. 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 <sighs> <sighs> Okay, deep breath, everybody. All right. Where can we find you? Um, you have your website, it's willstartsmall.com com, right? Yeah, yes. willstartsmall.com yeah. I know for our listeners, start there. Where else can we connect with you? Um, is there anything else? Any other Among, works that you got going on? I'm on, on
1: Twitter. Connect? Twitter will start small. Um, I mean everything's will start small, even Instagram will start small. It's very easy. Okay. Um, and that stands for the revolution, will start small.
0: Yes, I know. <laughs>
1: It was. I it used to be equity, but I was like equity has been equity has been weaponized. I'm not using that anymore. That's why I got rid of equity preschool because I felt like they've been weaponized. And I'm like, no, nah, you're, you're trying to use that to like make people kill themselves. So I'm not going to do that. I'm. I'm mm. gonna use, revolution will start small, um. But it's just will start small because I you know and people don't know what that means. I love she it. I I, rem-
0: I remember <laughs> that story when you when you changed it. I was like, that's a really great idea. I love that. We'll start. But I have small. a book
1: that's coming out in August. Um, okay. Um um what every child should know um and it's great because i always feel like we all collaborated on the project my you know um and it's funny because we were all kind of arguing different points because you know my 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 publisher grew up in puerto rico and then was living in sweden and then my illustrator lives in mexico city she's like very glamorous so we mm-hmm. all had these different ideas of what you know what it look like yeah what would it look like and I was like oh let's call a building but the building in, in, in Puerto Rico looks different than a building in Mexico City looks mm-hmm, different than a building in mm-hmm. Los Angeles in LA, I'm like we don't have buildings like that in LA but it was like really weird because we you know we tried to do a you know a good collaborative you know so that it translates that's why I didn't um, this book does not rhyme because the idea was that we'd be able to translate it into oh way. yeah and translate it um and you rhyme stuff that kind of goes wrong <laughs>
0: Any yes. upcoming events or virtual things that you're going to be on, or or just post them so we can follow you. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just post them. i just social support your work. Um, wow, I mean, there's so many things we've that we've covered, and my brain is going <laughs> a thousand miles a minute. I really appreciate you coming on here. A lot, of, you know, these topics. I I was telling Mark, I'm like, you know, I, we can't solve everything but these are important topics that to mention, to call out, to talk to, to talk about. Um, They're upsetting. It's frustrating. And I know everybody right now is a little more heightened than usual, but we, we can't stop this fight. Like we have to take advantage of our time right now and advocate for our teachers even more. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely advocate for teachers, advocate for students, you know advocating for you know true like anti-racism curriculum critical race theory
0: not um you know respecting people's languages well thank you so much lark i really appreciate you coming on
1: okay thank you thank you so much i'll see you soon